This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast... Worship in Israel at that point was not the few songs before the, before the message. Uh, worship was not passion. Worship was not Bethel. Worship was not Hillsong. Worship was not a musical thing. Worship was an everyday. It was a way of life, not a day of life. Worship was a way of life. Welcome back to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a resource of Journey Church International right here in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and I have the opportunity of hosting a conversation with Pastor Christian from our most recent Sunday message right here at Journey. We are in the middle of a series called Hezekiah, where we are learning how we can walk with God more closely as we explore the life of King Hezekiah. If you'd like to check it out later in your in your Bible, some of the story that we're going to talk about today can be found in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Pastor Christian, Sunday has to be a special day for you because you have the opportunity to hear from someone that you played a pretty significant role in their life early, early on. So for our podcast listeners, tell us a little bit more about Chris Renfro. Yeah, so every time I think of the name Chris Renfro, I, th- I think of the name Tweak, um, okay. because that, that was his, so Tweak was his nickname um, all through school, Chris showed up as a as a freshman uh, in our ministry, kind of a kind of a homeschool uh, freshman who, who was just above the curve. Mm-hmm. I mean, he at, at 15 years old n- knew that he wanted to go into ministry and he wanted to be there just as soon as he could. So he, you know, he was like 15, 14 or 15, but he was already a junior in high school. He was going to graduate high school at 16. He was going to be enrolled in Bible college at 17. He'd, he'd have his bachelor's degree by 19. He'd be done with seminary by 2021. 20, um, but he, I mean, he was just a kid who, he loved life. He loved ministry. He loved Jesus. He loved scripture. Um, and he loved Dr. Pepper. Hmm. Uh, so he was a kid who lived on Dr. Pepper. So everyone, they called him, people called him Tweak uh, because he was always tweaking for Dr. Pepper. Like wherever we were, he was like, where can, where can I get a Dr. Pepper? And to, to see a kid who, you know, you, you start, I mean, vivid memories, right? One, one of my first memories of Chris is hanging out in Taco Bell, um, just talking about ministry, talking about preaching, talking about scripture. And then to watch him in action, right? Almost every year Chris has been in ministry, I've gone and done some type of ministry for him. Uh, it just, it just gives you great, great hope for the freshmen in our ministry mm-hmm. who feel called to ministry, for our interns right now who are freshmen in college who are called to ministry to look at Chris and say, that's them in 12 years. Um, they're going to be starting churches. They're going to be, they're going to be leading churches. They're going to be leading student ministries. They're going to be leading global mission trips. Uh, it just gives me great hope that these young kids now, cause you know, that's, that's how I still see Chris. It's funny. Every time we run into him, Danielle's like, he's so old. Um, he's got two little kids now. His wife is just incredible. Uh, we, you know, we still think of him as a kid in our youth group. So, uh, man, it was, it was a tremendous blessing to have him in and be a part of what was going on in our church. Um, and to use our church to be a part of what is going to go on in the future church that he's planting. Well, let's piggyback off of his message from Sunday because it was it was really strong. Um, his message was entitled "The Church Gathered," and Pastor Chris' key thought was was simply this: engaging in worship with others is vitally important to my spiritual life. Uh, let's talk about worship for just a moment. Most oftentimes, we think of worship as that fifteen to twenty minutes in a church service when we sing songs. But worship is so much more than that. Can you take a moment and unpack what worship should look like for Christians? So let's go back to Hezekiah. 
and and do it for him, right? Chris's message was, you know, the first day, the first day that Hezekiah was in charge, he said, "We've we've got to restore worship to Israel. Uh, worship in Israel at that point w- was not the few songs before the mm-hmm. before the message. Uh, worship was not." Passion worship was not Bethel worship was not Hillsong worship was not a musical thing worship was an everyday it was a way of life not a day of life worship was a way of life thing in Israel because in Israel everything surrounded not the temple but what went on in the temple specifically the daily sacrifices the morning sacrifice the evening sacrifice the waking up every day dependent on God, uh, going to bed every night grateful for who God was. It was just this continual thought of God that there was a continual fire. When the when temple worship was going on, there was a continual fire at the altar being burnt. You could, if you were in Jerusalem, you could look and there was a pillar of smoke going from the altar up into the clouds that was reminiscent of God's spirit coming down to the Israelites in the desert for 40 years there was when when worship was happening in Hezekiah's days there was a daily reminder that there was a continual connection to God that is worship as a way of life not a day of life not a few songs during the service that was a Romans 12 um you know your your living sacrifice and your spiritual act of worship is to give every day, all day, continual connection to God. First thing in the morning, last thing at night, throughout the day, we are bringing a sacrifice of our life all day, every day. That is what Hezekiah instituted his first day. So we got to get back to a way of life that is worship. Not a day of life, not a few songs in that day of life. We have to get back to a way of life that is worship. And Paul tells us in Romans 12, that's our way of life too, a way of life that is spent with a connection, maybe not visible to the whole world, but certainly visible to us, a daily connection um, to heaven through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Pastor Christian, is that a uh, is that an, a moment-by-moment moment awareness of God's presence in our life? What does that look like for us as Christians today? I think it is – I think it's an aware – it is an awareness, um, but more than an awareness, it's, it's, an, it's an action. Okay. Um, it is, it's a, it's a fruit. Um, it's, it's an activity. It's how we love others. It's how we interact with others. It's how we react to things. It's how we are seen. It's how we are perceived. Uh, So, so worship for us, I mean, it is, it is a, it is a state of mind. It is a thought process. It is a mindset in our life, but part of our worship is showing other people God in us as well. Um, so yeah, it, it is a mindset, but it's also an action, and mm-hmm. it's also a reaction, and it's also an activity, and it's also uh, experienced and seen by spiritual fruit. I mean, worship is this all-encompassing, you know, worship comes from the word worth. Mm-hmm. Um, worship is a lifestyle that says everything in my life is worth giving to God because of mm-hmm. what he did for me. That is the mindset that controls all the other actions of our life. That is a true lifestyle of worship. That's good. Well, if you had the opportunity right now to ask a hundred people this question, do you desire to have an impact or make a difference in the life of someone else? I believe that the vast majority of those individuals asked would overwhelmingly say, yes, I do want to make an impact or have an impact in someone's life. I love this thought from Pastor Chris on Sunday. The work God desires through us begins with the work he does in us. 
What, what kind of work does God desire to do in us before he will work through us, Pastor Christian? So I, I think we could really live in Romans 12, 1 and 2 today, right? To present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is this is our spiritual act of worship. It's good. It's pleasing to God because God, if we will do that, will begin to transform us that we so that we won't be like the ways of the world, but so that we'll be more like Jesus. What God desires to do in us is make us more like Jesus. That That is really two parts. Uh, it is putting in and it is taking out. Uh, God desires inside of us to take out everything that doesn't look like Jesus, mm-hmm. think like Jesus, feel like Jesus, act like Jesus. And God desires to put into us everything that does look like Jesus, feel like Jesus, act and react like Jesus. What God desires to do in us is he desires to take our hearts. He desires to transform it. Romans 12, 2 says that is his good, pleasing, and perfect will in our life. That if we will give our life to God as a daily sacrifice, worship as a way of life, not a day of life, that God will take our heart and he'll transform it so that it looks more like Jesus. That is his will for us, not only that we bear fruit, but that we bear much fruit, Mm -hmm. that we bear fruit that will last. This will bring God glory. This will allow the, remember glory means weight. This will allow the weight of God, the presence of God to be felt in our world when God begins inside of us to transform our hearts so that we might be more like Jesus. He's got to remove some things. Chris talked about that. Some of them distractions. He's got to remove some outer things. Got to remove some inner things, um, and then he's got to replace. Uh, God doesn't empty so that we can be empty. He empties so that he can fill us with something different, more sustainable, something better. Well, let's talk about those distractions for just a moment. Pastor Chris did state that if we want to make worship with others a priority, we need to remove the distractions from our life. He asked this question, which I thought was very good. Has anything cluttered your heart or your schedule that is keeping you from engaging in worship with others on a regular basis? So, Pastor Christian, what are some distractions you have removed from your heart, from your life, to allow you to engage more deeply in worship? So, if if I go back, right to to look at myself as a like as a child, as a right. student in a family, the distractions that threatened my family were athletic success. Uh, athletics were an extremely important part of my family's life. My dad. Um, was and is a Hall of Fame coach in our community. Mm. Um, and, and to say sports was life is probably an understatement. I mean, it, it was what paid the bill. I mean, it's, it's what we did. It's who we were. And it, it threatened, um, the, the better that my sisters and I got, my sisters' gymnastics, me really, football, summer baseball, basketball, um, sports, there was a threat always that sports would be a distraction. Uh, but my dad, because he was not only, um, you know, extremely competent as a sportsman, but he was also extremely confident in mm-hmm. his faith, just said, faith comes first. And we don't, we don't play on Sundays until we've been to church. Now, that meant every now and then we would have to find churches with an 8 a.m. service so we could get in, get out, and go do our stuff. But we were not allowed to compete in gymnastics, cheerleading later for my sisters. Um, for me, all the sports that I played – until we'd been to church. I mean, Brandon, there there wasn't a single time until I went to college that I ever missed church for a sporting event, ever. Uh, academics. 
threatened um, to be a major distraction and what I would call like my da- my daily faith walk. Um, again, so dad was a coach. He was also a, a school teacher. Uh, mom worked in education. Uh, my older sister was the valedictorian mm-hmm. of her class a year ahead of me. Academics were very, very important in our life. And it would have been, uh, it would have been very, very easy for me to lay aside faith except for Sunday. Um, you know, worship for me could have been a day of life rather than a way of life because I had to get homework done and I had to lean. I mean, I, I had practice every day after school, but then I, w- I would have to dig into my academics. But because of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, really even more than my church, because we didn't go to big churches, we didn't live in a big town, never really had a youth ministry or youth pastor until very late in my high school life. Fellowship of Christian Athletes taught me to read my Bible, taught me to pray, taught me to do those things that were important. We talked about that on last week's podcast. So academics was a was a threat to a way of life. Athletics was a threat to um, our way of life. And I, you know, I just think bu- busyness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had two parents who worked full time. Um, gosh, vacation could have been a distraction. I mean, I, really a- everything. You know, Jesus said in the parable of the, of the seed that he threw, the parable of the sower, that, you know, just that, like, at the everyday distractions, the worries of life, the desires and deceitfulness of wealth, chasing other things can really choke the life out of your faith. But I had two parents that really, really drilled down and they, they modeled for me. Um, that faith, faith does not come first. Faith is either placed first or it's not, but it, ne- it never wins the race. Mm. Um, it never wins the race. It will always come after everything else in your life. It's just the way our culture is shaped. So faith doesn't come first. Faith must be put first. Mm-hmm. But if it will be put first, right? That Matthew 6.33 concept. Mm, of course. If you'll seek God first, all the other things kind of work themselves out. So, you know, I can, I continue now as a father, um, to, you know, to put faith over, over athletics. We, you know, as, as parents, we put faith over, um, academics. We would, um, but like we, we would, we would never have our kids not go to youth camp or have our kids not go serve on the mission field so they could do a little extra summer school so they could get really prepped for their ACT. Those things are very, very important. But to us, they're secondary um, to faith. But really, that was instilled in me by my parents. I saw it work, um, you know, when when myself and my sisters got to college and, uh, you know, we ended up, you know, marrying people who who love Jesus as well. Um, You know, you look back and you thought, man, I'm glad that at 13, 15, 17, um, faith ruled our life because it's done okay. It's done okay for us. Well, Pastor Chris uh, was called to plant a church in May of 2019, and in the community he lives, as he mentions on Sunday, in Atlanta or the Atlanta surrounding area, there hasn't been a new church for over 20 years. So you were the first person he called in May of 2019 when he felt called, Pastor Christian. Can you talk about that conversation you had with him for just a moment? How did you encourage him? And really, here's the, the, the more important question. Why is engaging with others immediately when you feel like God calls you to something so important? So I, th- I think one of the reasons that Chris and I connected so quickly is, is because about once a month for the past three or four years, I would call Chris and try to hire him. Uh, so he, I mean, he was constantly having to tell me why he was saying no. Um, and every time, every time I talked to him, I mean, going back years, as I just saw his heart for people, as I saw his heart for the local church, as I saw his ability to stand up and preach the word of God and lead people, I would just always say, Hey, man, like, have you ever thought about starting a church? Have you thought about starting a church? 
Uh, I told him, come help us, and then we'll help you start a church. His family lives in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know he loves Jesus. I think if he really loved Jesus, he'd be planting a church in Kansas City. But Atlanta has become home for he and his wife, which is is great. I I, I kid. I I think he's right where God wants him to be. Um, But I think he called me because I'd been engaged in that conversation with him for a decade. I mean, I... I think I saw it before he did. I I was willing for him to plant a church before he was. I knew he could be successful before he did. Um, and I think I think he called me to kind of say, "Hey, all those times you talked to me, um, I think now that I'm I, I think now I'm ready." Um, you know, and and of course he didn't ask for our help, but I told him one one of the things our church is really passionate about is planting churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, you're you're one of us, uh, so we would love to help. Let us know how we can help um, in in any way possible. Uh, one of the he, the reason he's actually coming to Kansas City is because we're having kind of an in town staff retreat for our staff uh, with two national church leaders, Jeff and Sherry Surratt, this upcoming week. She works. Uh, she used to be the president CEO of Mops. Um, she now works for Orange as kind of a strategic thinker in family ministry. Um, Jeff helped his brother Greg at Seacoast build one of the largest, most influential churches in America, helped start uh, the ARC Church Planning uh, Network, which is probably one of the most influential church planning networks. He speaks at all the major conferences. We were at a marriage retreat um, with Pastor Brian Beloy and the Engaged Churches uh, family that we are with that they spoke at. And afterwards, I said, hey, would you... Would you come do a staff retreat for our staff? And they said, I'd love to. So when Chris called me, I said, hey, bring as, as many people from your church planning team as you want and come to our, come to our staff deal. It could basically be a free conference for you guys. These, these two speak at the biggest conferences in the world. You'll have them in a room with 25. So he said, yeah, um, I'll bring a couple people that are going to help us start our church. And, and then when we realized it, um, it connected up with a weekend that was, you know, close to me needing a little, um, you know, time of brain release from Israel after teaching nearly 30 times in Israel and not needing to make a sermon every day um, of my life. I said, man, you're already going to be here that week. Do you want to preach that Sunday? Because we tell our people, hey, we support church planning. They don't know it. I mean, they've met Dan Sutherland, but most people goes in one ear and out the other. I'd love for them when they hear that, mm-hmm. hey, we we invest the first 15% in church planning. They think, oh, that guy, Chris, we we heard him preach. I said, come preach for us. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he just, but for me, you know, you you ask the question, um, why is engaging others immediately when you feel like God is calling you so important? The power of encouragement, um, Brandon, is is so powerful, uh, right? We've we've taught our people when your friends make spiritual decisions. Jesus said, the minute the seed of the gospel, the minute a seed of faith hits your heart, Satan is on the way, right? Like a drone, he's watching the movement of God in your life, and when the seed falls on a path. He wants to swoop down like a bird and grab it and run. We have to, we have to see those seeds planted too. And we have to protect seeds of faith. And we have to, like a tug of war rope, we got to pull seeds of faith deeper into the calling. Um, so for, so for me to be able to connect with him and just affirm it and to tell him that he was going to do great and to tell him all of his fears were real. And he should be aware of all those things, but faith over fear was needed in church planning. And if God was calling him to it, it would work. Um, and if it if it didn't work, what he would learn in the process would be 
more important for his faith than if it did work? Just to be able to walk him through and to say, go, 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 go. To be able to kind of get behind his car and push what God was calling him to do was was so important for me to be able to do and for all of us. I think when God moves in faith, it's why we it's why we have to have spiritual community. Mm-hmm. It's why this important this message is so important. It's why we got to have a kind of a corporate faith. It's why we have to have a small group. It's why we have to have a men's group. It's why we have to have an accountability group. So when that crazy seed of faith hits your heart, people around you can look and say, "Yes, yes, you can do this. Go, run. I'll help you. I'll support you. I believe in you." Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have done that with Journey without key people in my life doing that for me. I'm thrilled to do it for Chris, uh, and I know that Chris will do it for others. Chris just found out. I guess I forgot to tell him how much we were going to support him. So Pastor Scott connected with him last week and said, oh, by the way, us helping you means this. And he was just overwhelmed. Um, And my response was, hey, listen, just when you make it, do it for someone else. That's right. It's just the way it works. Like people did it for us. We do it for you. Go help Mm -hmm. someone else now. I love that thought that you mentioned, Pastor Christian, that the the greatest strength of the greatest power and mentorship is just simply encouragement. Yeah. Uh, so oftentimes we get quickly discouraged over over some things in our life, and just encouragement is so, so, so much needed. So, well, let's wrap up today just talking about church planning um, that you just quit, just mentioned briefly. Perhaps someone is listening right now to this podcast, and they're and they're in their car, they're driving, and and in the last twenty minutes of our conversation or so, they've passed not just one church but several churches. What, what would you say to the person that perhaps is thinking right now, or asking, even asking the question, why do we even need more churches? Don't we have enough? Pastor Christian, what would you what would you say to that individual? Well, I would say statistically, we know that more churches close their doors every year in America than than start. So every year at the end of 2020, there will be less churches in America than there were at the end of 2019, hmm. and at the end of 2021, there will be less churches in America than there were at the end of 2020. That is the, that's the pathway that we're on. We're in a very post Christian society, yep. and very very much like. Um, Europe churches and even some mainline denominations are either just shuttering their doors or splitting or just becoming less and less important. So that, that's one reason is we, we have less churches today than we did in February of 2019. So like we need more because the global population is going up, not down. So less churches, more people do the math. Secondly, there are just in our city, right? I, I can't. I don't, I don't know the facts of every city in, in America, but I know just in our city, there are 800,000 people who don't go to church, um, every Sunday. Let, let me, let me redo the math. There are one point, roughly 1.6 million people in Kansas City, in Metro Kansas City, that don't go to church hmm. every Sunday. Um, if all of them decided to go to church tomorrow, there wouldn't be room for them. So we, we build new churches for people who are not yet engaged in church, not just so that Christians can transfer churches and go someplace with better music, better preaching, nicer building, more beautiful campus, better coffee shop, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who are planning churches are aware of, in Kansas City, you know, 2.1 million people in greater Kansas City, um, 80% of those do not go to church anywhere on a Sunday morning. Uh, we're planning churches because... We're praying that God's going to bring revival to the 80% of people who don't go to church somewhere, and, and we want to have a place for them when they, when they show up. Um, imagine if you lived in a community uh, that only had enough schools for 20% of the children. 
would you or would you not build more schools? That's that's why we plant churches. That's why churches are needed. There are a lot of spiritual children who haven't started going to school yet, but they need to because um, they're all created in God's image, and, and we believe he loves them all. So we've we got to build buildings so that when they hit kindergarten, there's a place for them to go and a classroom for them to go as they begin their spiritual journey. Pastor Christian, I really want to thank you for investing in the lives of others, and I really hope that Sunday is a special day for you as you have the opportunity opportunity to see just a little bit of the fruit of the spiritual seed that was planted over 20 years ago. What an incredible encouragement for us all. And we want to thank you for tuning into the podcast today. We pray that this was both an encouragement and a challenge for you to allow God to do His work in you so that He can work through you in the lives of others. Although you may not see the fruit today, stick with it. And in time, prayerfully, you will reap a harvest if you just don't give up. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.